Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. That's right, boys and girls. You know where you are. You know what time it is. If this is your first time here, my name is Tyler Chef, and I'm the host of Cashflow Guys Podcast. And this week, we're going to talk about spinning the pad. And spinning the pad is a technique that I do. It's probably one of my most secret weapons, I'll be honest with you. And guys, every one of you, whether you're buyer, seller, agent, broker, realtor, whatever you call yourself, wholesaler, acquisition, acquisition, I can't talk, acquisition manager, y'all need to take advantage of this this uh, education I'm going to give you today because I'm going to break it down real stupid simple. I'm going to make it real easy for you to get, number one, if you're listing a property, you're a wholesaler, getting something under contract, I'm going to make it easy for you to get the right price because with the right price, guess what happens? It sells a hell of a lot faster. That's what happens. And nobody likes making lowball offers, right? doesn't matter whether you're a buyer. I'm in the buying space right now. And I'd like to say, it's it's easy to say that, oh my goodness, every seller on the planet is out of their mind. And I, and I could say that real easy and probably be remotely accurate and probably be really accurate actually. But when has that ever not been the case? Now, guys, I've invested through a recession. Okay, I was investing way back before the crash of 06, 07, 08, depending on where you were. And the one thing I saw over and over and over again is I've never watched, seen a price. I've never observed a property that was priced right out of the gate. I just have never found that. I've never looked at something and gone, man, that's an amazing deal. I'll take it. I mean, I just haven't. Maybe I've been at a gun show and some dude's got a sign and I talk to him and he's just worn out and he says, Hey, I'll sell it to you at half price. Yeah, I make sure it's safe. It's in, in good condition, but that's small ticket stuff, right? I've seen advertised great deals on small ticket stuff when somebody's just tired of it, wants to get rid of it, but never in real estate have I ever seen that. I've never seen anything that way. And I don't like, I'm not a big fan of making low ball offers either guys, believe it or not. I mean, I do enjoy my negotiating, but I don't enjoy pissing people off because I realize it doesn't get me anywhere. So if it's no fun and it's painful, why the heck would I do it? Well, instead, I found a better way. It's called spin the kit, spin the pad. And I'll get a, I'm going to get into that here in a second. But in any situation I've gotten into in my life, I try to look for, I'm human. I try to look for the least painful ways of doing things. Guys, this is why courses and books and tapes and all that stuff is even available it's because people want to take the path of least resistance. And frankly, that's just human nature. There's nothing wrong with that. That's just reality. You're not going to change that. You can't sit there and and uh, pick on people for that because that's just how we are built as humans. You know, why would we go uphill if we, on foot if we can take an elevator? I mean, it, really, that's what it comes down to. So knowing that it's painful making lowball offers, why do we consistently do it? Well, I don't anymore. I'll tell you that right now, I don't make ridiculous lowball offers. Instead, I'm going to go try to sit down with the people or get them on a Zoom session, talk to the brokers. I'm doing that right now and down in Key West. I can sit there and write offers on what things, quote unquote, should be priced at. And what'll happen real quick is I'll piss off every broker in Key West and then I won't be able to acquire anything. But instead, I'm going out and talking to these people because here's what I've learned. Now that I know that I will never find anything priced the way Tyler wants it, I don't expect things to be priced the way I want them. So instead, I'll go sit down and figure out a way to build rapport. And I am I like to take people to lunch. I like to go out, have a bite to eat. I'm in a town where there's tons of restaurants. I can do that. So I'll take people to lunch. Uh, that is a method that works for me. And I'll say, hey, you know, I want to figure out how we can do this. 
I'll go break bread. We'll sit there face to face. I did this uh, about two weeks ago with an agent. We didn't go out to lunch, actually. We just met and we spent well over an hour together going through the property and trying to figure out, putting our heads together. We got a real estate attorney involved here locally that's been around for a long time, leveraged his experience to try to really put our heads together to see if there's a way we can make this work. And unfortunately, there wasn't. But here's the thing. At the end, we parted as friends. We didn't upset each other. She, uh, she wasn't mad at me. I'm not mad at her. I can't do the deal I wanted to do, but no harm, no foul. At least we tried. And that's how grownups do it, right? Because there's business that's not, there's there's the old way of doing business, which frankly is the way I prefer. And there's the new way where everybody pouts and throws a temper tantrum and drops to the ground kicking and streaming. A good example of this is, look at Facebook groups, for example. Facebook groups, they have their advantages, but they definitely have their disadvantages. Um, I see Facebook groups, investor groups, where people just attack each other. It's just obnoxious and rude, and people are out there just trying to make people upset. And that's no fun, so much so that I've gotten the hell off of social media altogether. I haven't been on social media in weeks. Uh, I, man, man, I'm a lot happier, and life's a lot sweeter, and I've got VAs and stuff doing my, my Facebook and my Instagram marketing for me. Then I don't have to deal with people's drama, and it's a beautiful thing because I want to build good relationships. I want to build rapport with people. I'm, I, I love people. That's who I am. One of the reasons I moved to Key West, probably the biggest reason I moved to Key West, because it's a community. I mean, there is amazing community in this island, and this is a very resilient uh, group of people. They're very kind, very compassionate people. One human family is how what we call it, and this should be, although often it's not, it should be applied to negotiating, okay? The one thing I know for certain is that most people, myself included, guess at, at asking prices, okay? And yeah, I said that out loud. Of course I said that out loud because it's honest. Because I'm not going to blow smoke up your skirt. It's the truth. I, I've been a real estate broker for over 20 years, real estate agent, whatever. And I am not an appraiser. An appraiser even isn't, and they're an expert at telling you what market value is. But a broker is not an expert, or I'm sorry, a, an appraiser is not an expert at telling you what someone will pay for a property. That comes down to psychology, and that's where real estate agents and brokers if they're good, that's where they shine. Same thing with wholesalers, right? Uh, sellers, they don't know what they want for the property. They go on Zillow. They do their best to Google search it and try to find some data that tells them something. But it's a mystery, right? It's really a mystery what something's worth until the day after closing. And when they sit back with their check in their bank account and they go, well, heck, that works then. That's If you're in the market now, you're probably pretty happy with your results if you got the right realtor. But... Um, they still guess. So let's just call it like it, like we see it. People guess. I don't care how smart and sexy the most amazing real estate agent, real estate broker, commercial broker, wholesaler on the planet is. They're going to guess at an asking price because, let's be honest, it's an asking price. It's a starting point. It's a place to warm up the engines and figure out where we're at. Here's the problem, though. As society goes on, we become more and more non-confrontational, except for the folks on airplanes beating up the stewardess and knocking their teeth out. The regular people, the common sense people, the good people of America and the world, they don't like conflict. They see enough of conflict in their news cycle and social media, the people fighting and arguing and being nasty to each other. They certainly don't want that in their real estate transactions, right? So what they do is, they avoid that. That's why wholesalers and real estate agents even have a purpose on the planet Earth is because people don't like confrontation. They'll go out of their way to avoid confrontation. So one of the best ways I've found 
And this applies to sellers and buyers, by the way. It doesn't matter whether you're a buyer or a seller. Nobody, most people don't enjoy confrontation. Maybe if you're a cage fighter, you enjoy confrontation. Maybe if you're Rocky Balboa, yo, Adrian, maybe you like confrontation. But for most folks, they don't enjoy the process. I don't really enjoy the process at all. But I do enjoy spending time with people and getting to learn about them and getting to know them. That's why I take people out. We break bread. We'll go have a drink. We'll jump on a Zoom session. I talked to a lady the other day on the phone who is the secretary for the guy who owns the land where I park my boat trailer down here in Key West. Nice lady. She's been on the island. She's like seven years old. She's been on the island forever and a day. A lot of information could come from spending some time with her, having a, having a nice lunch, and just getting to know somebody new. So that's where the spin the pad technique comes down, right? It's not my job to sit there and say it to a seller or a real estate agent that they're wrong, that their price is too high, that the house is too beat up, or the apartment building isn't profitable enough. Taking cheap shots at them isn't going to get them on board with my line of thinking. In fact, saying such things is going to repel them because here's what you what you, what you don't maybe you don't realize. People generally understand the obvious. That's a fact. They know that their house is a turd. But nobody likes to admit that they're where they live is a turd. And they certainly don't like to hear that you think where they live is a turd. Keep that in mind, okay? So for you to sit there and disassemble someone's well-being, house, whatever, something they love, maybe something that they had one point had pride in, usually will not serve you well, okay? Wholesalers, I see, do this a lot. Wholesalers generally are terrible at negotiating. I don't know who's teaching the garbage out there these days. But they teach people to basically degrade their properties. Well, that doesn't, that, I guess it works, but it's just, I don't think it's the best way to do things. That's just my personal opinion. So let's try a soft approach. What does that involve? Well, it starts with taking copious notes, okay? Getting very detailed and very granular in your notes. And I ask permission when I'm talking to somebody, Mrs. Jones, do you mind if I take notes? Because I'll be honest with you, I have a terrible memory. And what you're saying is important. And I want to make sure that I don't miss anything because the last thing I ever want to do is have to come back or call you back and ask you the same question more than once because I should already know the answer. It's my flaw. Please pardon me. But if it's okay, I'd like to take notes. And they go, oh, sure. That, no problem. Go ahead and take notes. Good. Got that out of the way. Now the seller or the real estate broker is not freaked out about me taking notes. It's important that you ask. And I know some of you think, why do I got to ask? It's my time. I can do what I want. Because you have to be aware and cognizant of people's perception of things. And you can't just assume that somebody's going to be okay with you taking notes or they're going to assume that it's no big deal. They might think you're not paying attention to them. That's a fact. They may think that you're ignoring them simply because you're taking notes, especially if you're doing it on the phone, guys, because they can't see that you're, that you're taking notes unless you're face-to-face. And people want to know. Imagine yourself sitting in front of a shrink. Okay, you're sitting in front of the shrink and you're telling your story, whatever it is. You know, I was born a poor white trash child in Alabama, Mississippi, and I got no tooths. And I didn't go to college and I decided to play football and, you know, whatever. So there, the, the shrink is sitting there writing notes. And when you say something, like you say a word, the shrink, like, oh, raises their eyebrow and then writes something down. That's going to freak anybody out. That's going to freak any normal person out. They're going to be like, what did I say wrong? Right? That's reasonable. That's just how it works. It inspires an emotion. And I hate to tell you that emotion is not always going to work out to your advantage. Maybe the seller is going to get freaked out and stop sharing altogether. 
So when I ask for permission and I get it, sometimes I'll go back and read my notes to make sure I on the, we're clear that I got it correct. Okay. Taking notes without asking permission, I think is a big no, no. I know people that have done that in the past. And sometimes it's, I look at them going, they're not listening to a word I'm saying because they're just writing stuff down. It's no different than watching somebody at a restaurant on, on their phone. I see this the other day. I was at this, this uh, restaurant, nice restaurant too. husband and wife. They're both on their phone. They didn't talk the whole time. I was kind of sad. It's like, Oh man, that sucks. Cause they could be having a great conversation, but who knows? Maybe they hate each other. I, I don't know. But you take copious notes, just get detailed in the notes and you get as much detail as available. And, and for me, I don't, I don't make any offer unless I know each and every expense on that property. And I know that sounds crazy, but it gives me something to talk about. If I don't know what their insurance is and I got to go get a quote, then I'm going to wait until I get all my information. And I know that everybody has different ways of doing it. But I use this as a way to spawn conversation because at the end of the day, I'm an investor. I can't buy a property unless there's an upside. I got to find a profit. And uh, unless I can prove it to myself, then we won't proceed. I'm not just out there to make friends and buy other people's problems. That's for sure. I got to make sure that I can fix the problem. I got to make sure that there's profit there. So I, instead of me doing the math, and this is something I learned from people like Larry Harbold and Peter Fortunato, is I'll write down what they tell me. Like they tell me that the 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 uh, electric bill is hundred bucks and the lawn guy's two fifty and all these things that all these expenses. I'll write all that down, and then when it comes to doing the math, I will turn the pad around and hand it to the seller. Hey, can you help me go through this? Or I'll give them a calculator. Yep, an old school calculator. I'll, maybe I'll do both. I'll give them the legal pad and the calculator. Because what I've learned, and the first uh, time I heard this, when I think Larry told me this, Larry Harwell told me this, I said, he's crazy. That it, People aren't going to want to do that. You'd be surprised. Because people, I've had sellers jump at the chance to do the math. Because they don't trust me yet. Because they just met me. Even if I spend an hour and a half with them, they just met me. But when I can figure out a way to get that pad into their hands, spin the pad, so to speak, and then start having good conversation. Or maybe I'll take a sheet of paper off the pad and in the sheet of paper, I'll keep the pad or vice versa. Either way, I want them to help me do the math. And I want to see a negative result, something that sucks. Okay. And every time I have never had a situation come out where we listed all the expenses and there was a profit. I mean, it's usually so grossly upside down. It's hilarious. And the seller looks at that and they're like, oh shit. Well, and it creates a little bit of a yucky tummy feeling for the seller. They're like, oh, man, he could see right there. I just told him this is a bad deal. Guys, I'm telling you now, if you employ, if you employ this, this works really, really well with rental property, but it also works well with rehab. You sit in a house that's tore up. I have a little app through PropStream. You can just type in the property in PropStream, and this is awesome. This is so awesome. I used this about two weeks ago. You sit down with the seller with a laptop or an iPad. You pull up the property on PropStream and you click Get Rehab Estimate. And it, you go Bathroom Remodel, Cabinetry, and you do all the different things. And you sit there with the seller and you have them help you with this, right? Play stupid. It's going to put out an estimate that's going to be a lot more than what you probably come up with guesstimating on your own. But then the seller sees it. They're like, holy crap, I didn't think that the rehab would be $35,000 because Jimmy told me it would be 20000 well, it's 35000 and they see it right there on the website. They're like, oh, no getting around that. Well, I got guys that'll do it cheaper. Awesome. Can I have their phone number? 
because I need to get them over here to quote this job. Guys, this type of stuff makes great sense and it makes for amazing deals because you've got to figure out a way without hurting the seller's feelings to get them on board with the idea that the property either has some issues or the value that they're asking does not is not justified by the purchase price. This is also a great way to figure out terms, right? To write down, to come up with terms. When you start breaking it all down and you said, oh, my mortgage payment, well, help me figure my mortgage payment. I'll show you how to work it on the calculator. And you walk them through the math and they'll see, let them come up with that big fat negative. Well, let's see, after collecting the rent that you said I could get and the mortgage interest rate that you said I could get and all the expenses, I lose $1,473 a month. And you just look at them and don't say a word and look at them like, so how do I fix this? I like to look at them, pause for about, I don't know, 30 to 40 seconds. Time yourself doing this. It's fascinating how uncomfortable it is. Time yourself doing this. Look at them, look up at them and just give, try to keep a straight face. You got to practice this one a little bit. Try to keep a straight face. Look them straight in the face and ask them genuinely, how do I fix this? How do I make this work? How do I get more rent for the property? Why? How do I tell a tenant that they have to pay more rent the day after you sell me this property? I'm clueless here, and I'd really appreciate your help, Mr. Seller. Guys, the minute you subordinate and let the seller take charge and teach you, you're going to put more deals together. When you let that real estate agent, that broker, that wholesaler think they're in charge for the transaction, you really rely on their expertise, guys. They're going to figure out a way to help you put the deal together. People genuinely like to help other people. So get out there. Let's make some cash flow. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to CashflowGuys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.